Hey all, how are you guys? It's right now it's 10 o'clock in the night and um, I'm reading chapter 12 in the middle of LZ. Problem is it's a pretty long chapter so it's gonna go like till 10.45 ah, That's a problem but I am, I haven't done it, but I'm also not sure if I'm going to finish it because my dad's going to come, like two minutes come with his Malayalam commercial or something, Malayalam, he started watching some new Malayalam stuff, yeah, anyway, chapter 12, the mirror of Erised, Christmas was coming, one morning in mid-December, Hogwarts woke to find itself covered in several feet of snow. The lake froze solid and the wheezy twins were punished for bewitching several snowballs so that they followed Quill around, bouncing on the back of his turban. The few owls that managed to battle their way through the stormy sky dilemma mail had to be nursed back to hell by Hagrid before they could fly, fly off again. No one could wait for the holidays to start. While the Gryffindor common room and the great hallway had roaring fire, fires, the drafty corridors had become icy and a bitter wind rattled the windows in the classrooms. Worst of all, with the professors, were Professor Snape's classes down in the dungeons, where their breath rose in a mist before them and they kept as close as possible to their hot cauldrons. I do feel sorry, said Dra- Draco Malfoy, one portion class, for all those people that have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas because they are not wanted at home. He was looking over at Harry as he spoke. Crab and Goyle chuckled. Harry, who was measuring out powdered spine of lionfish, ignored him. Malfoy had been even more unpleasant than usual since the Quidditch match. Disgusted that Slytherins had lost, he had tried to get everyone laughing at how, to, at how a wide-mouthed tree frog could be replacing Harry as seeker next. Then he realized that nobody found this funny because they were also impressed at the way Harry had managed to stay on his bucking broomstick. So Malfoy, jealous and angry, had gone back to taunting Harry about having no proper family. It was true that Harry wasn't going back to private drive for Christmas. Professor McGonagall had come around the week before, making a list of the students who would be staying for the holidays, and Harry had signed up at once. He didn't feel sorry for him himself at all. This would probably be the best Christmas he'd ever had. Ron and his brothers were staying too, because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were going to Romania to visit Charlie. When they left the dungeons at the end of portions, they found a large fit reef blocking the corridor ahead. Two enormous feet stuck out of the, sticking out of the bottom, and a loud puffing sound told them that Hagrid was behind it. Hi, Hagrid. Want any help? Ron asked, sticking his head through the branches. Nah, I'm alright. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ron. 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 You're wrong, bro. You're wrong, bro. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. Would you mind moving out of the way? Came out for his cold draw from behind them. I trying to earn some extra money, Weasley. Hoping to be a gamekeeper yourself when you leave Hogwarts, I suppose. The heart of Hagrid's must seem like a palace compared to what your family is used to. Ron dived at Malfoy just as Snake came up the stairs. Weasley? Ron let him go of front of Malfoy's ropes. He was, he was provoked, Professor Snape, said Hagrid, sticking on his huge hairy face out from behind the tree. Malfoy was insulting his family. Be that as it may, fighting is against Hogwarts rules, Hagrid, said Snape silkily. Five points from Gryffindor, Weasley, and be grateful it isn't more. 
Move along, all of you. Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle pushed roughly past the trees, scattering needles everywhere and smirking. I'll get him, said Ron, grinding his teeth as Malfoy, at Malfoy's back. One of these days, I'll get him. I hate them both, said Harry. Malfoy and Snape. Malfoy and Snape. Come on, cheer up. It's nearly Christmas, said Hagrid. Tell you what, come with me and see Great Hall. And see the Great Hall. Looks like great. The three of them followed Hagrid off and his trail off the Great Hall, where Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick were busy with the Christmas decorations. Who was saying? Ah, Hagrid, the last tree. Put in the far corner, would you? The hall looked spectacular. Festoons of holly and mistletoe hung all around the walls, and no less than twelve towering Christmas trees stood around the room, some sparkling with tiny icicles, some glittering with hundreds of candles. How many days you got left until your holidays? Hagrid asked. Just one. Just one? said Hermione. And that reminds me. Harry, Ron, we got half an hour before lunch. We should be in the library. Library. Right, little Oh, yeah, you're right, said Ron, tearing his eyes away from Professor Flitwick, who had golden bubbles blossoming out of his wand and, and was staring them over the branches of the new tree. Library? said Hagrid, falling out of the hall. Just before the holidays? Bit keen, aren't you? Oh, we're not working, Harry told him brightly. Ever since you mentioned Nicholas Flamel, we've been trying to find out who he is. You what? Hagrid looked shocked. Listen, yeah, I told you, drop it. It's nothing to you or the dog's garden. We just want to know who Nicholas Flamel is, that's all, said Hermione. Unless you'd like to tell us that you'd tell, you tell her, you'd like to, <laughs> you'd like to tell us and save us all the trouble, Harry added. We've been through hundreds of books already, and we can't find him anywhere. Just give us a hint. I know I've read his name somewhere. I'm saying nothing, said Hagrid flatly. Just have to find out for ourselves, eh? said Ron. And they left. They left Hagrid looking disgruntled and hurried off to the library. They had indeed been searching books for Flamel's name ever since Hagrid had let it slip. Because now, how else were they going to find out what Snape was trying to steal? The trouble was, it was very hard to know where to begin, not knowing begin, not knowing what Flamel might have done to get himself in a book. He wasn't a great wizard of the 20th century or notable magic names of our times. He was missing too from important modern magical discoveries and a study of recent developments in wizardry. Then, of course, there's the sheer size of the library. Tens and thousands of books, thousands of shelves, hundreds of narrow rows. Hermione took a list of subjects. Excuse me. List of subjects and titles she had decided to search, while Ron stored down a row of books and started pulling them off shelves at random. Harry wandered off to the restricted se- section. He'd been wondering for a while if Flamel ha- wasn't somewhere in there. Unfortunately, you need a special signed book from one of the teachers to look in any of the restricted books, and he knew he'd never get one. These are the books containing powerful dark magic never taught at Hogwarts, and only read by older students studying advanced defense against the dark arts. What are you looking for, boy? Nothing. Nothing, said Harry. Madame Prince brandished a feather duster at him. You'd better get out then. Go on, out. Wishing he'd been a bit quicker thinking up some story, Harry left the library. He, Ron and Hermione had already agreed they'd better not ask Madame Prince whether he could find Flamel. They were sure she'd be able to tell him, but they couldn't risk Snake hearing what they were up to. Harry waited outside the corridor to see if the other two had found anything. But he wasn't very hopeful. 
they had been looking for two weeks after all and but as they had only they had odd moments between lessons it wasn't surprising they found nothing what they really needed was a nice long search without madam prince breathing down their necks five minutes later ron and hermione joined him shaking their heads they went out to lunch you will look while I'm away, won't you, Mr. Hermione? And send me an owl if you find anything. And you could ask your parents if they knew who Flam- know who Flamel is, said Ron. It'd be safe to ask them. Very safe, as a boat dentist, said Hermione. Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having too good a time to think much about Flamel. They had a dormitory to themselves and the common room was far emptier than usual. So they, they were able to get the good armchair by the fire. They sat by the by the hour, eating anything they could spare on toasting fork, bread, English mus- bread, English muffins, marshmallows, and plotting ways of getting Malfoy expelled, which is fun to talk about, even if they wouldn't work. Ron had started teaching Harry wizard chess. This was exactly like my magic muggle chess, except that the figures were alive, which made it a lot like directing troops in battle. Ron's set was very old and battered, like everything else battered, like everything else he owned. It had once belonged to someone else in his family, in this case, his grandfather. However, old chessmen weren't a drawback at all. Ron knew them so well, he never had trouble getting them to do what he wanted. Harry played with chessmen Seamus Finnegan had lent him, and they didn't trust him at all. He wasn't a very good player, yet, and they kept shouting different bits of advice to him, which is confusing. Don't send me that, can't you see his knight? Send him, we can afford to lose him! On Christmas Eve, Harry went to bed looking forward to the next day for the food and the fun, but not expecting any presents at all. When he woke early in the morning, however, the first thing he saw was a small pile of packages at the foot of his bed. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! said Ron sleepily as Harry scrambled out of the bed and pulled, out his, pulled on his bathrobe. You too! said Harry. Will you look at this? I got some presents! What do you expect? Turnips? said Ron, turning to his own pile, which was a lot bigger than Harry's. Harry picked out the top parcel. It was wrapped in thick brown paper and scrawled across it was To Harry from Hagrid. Inside was a roughly cut wooden flute. Hagrid had obviously whittled it, whittled it himself. Harry blew it. It sounded a bit like an owl. A second, very small parcel contained a note. We receive... We... Um... We received your message and enclosed a Christmas present from Uncle Warren and Aunt Petunia. Taped on the note was a 50 pence piece. That's friendly, said Harry. Ron was fascinated by the 50 pence. Weird, he said. What a shape! This is money? You can keep it, said Harry, laughing how pleased Ron was. <sighs> I agree my aunt and uncle. So, who said these? I think I know who that one's from. From, said Ron, turning a bit pink and pointing to a very lumpy parcel. My mom, I told her you didn't expect any presents and... Oh no, he groaned. She's made your Weasley jumper. Oh, sweater. Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick hand-knitted sweater in emerald green and large po- green and a large box of homemade fudge. Every year she makes a fr- sweater, said Ron, unwrapping his own. And mine's always maroon. That's really nice of her, said Harry, trying the fudge, which was very tasty. His next present also contained candy, a large box of chocolate frogs from Hermione. This left only one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. 
excuse me, I had a very heavy lunch in it. I know this is... No, I'm not telling you. Something fluid and slippery grey was slithering to the floor, but it lay in gleam, gleaming folds. Ron gasped. I heard of those! He said in voices, dropping the floor, a box of ever-flavored beans he got from Hermione. That's what I think it is. They're really rare and really valuable. Harry picked the shining slurry cloth off the floor. It was strange to touch, like water woven into material. It's an invisibility, co- invisibility cloak, said Ron, a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. Harry threw the cloak over around his shoulders and Ron gave a yell. It is! Look down! Harry looked down at his feet, but they were gone. Harry dashed the mirror. Sure enough, his reflection looked back at him. Just his head suspended in midair, his body completely invisible. He pulled the cloak over his head and his reflection vanished completely. There's a note, said Ron suddenly. A note fell out of it. Harry pulled out the cloak and seized the letter. Written in a narrow, loopy writing he had never seen before, there were the following words. Your father left me this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. There is no signature. Harry stared at the note. Ron was admiring the cloak. I give anything for one of these, he said. Anything. What's the matter? Nothing, said Harry. He felt very strange. What's in the cloak? Had it really once belonged to his father? Before he could say or think anything else, the dormitory door was flung open and Fred and George Weasley bounded in. Harry stuck the cloak quickly out of sight. He didn't feel like sharing it with anyone else qu- any anyone else quiet. Merry Christmas! Hey look! Harry's got a Weasley sweater too! Fred and George were wearing blue sweaters, one with a large yellow F on it and the other G. Harry's better than ours though, said Fred, holding up Harry's sweater. She obviously makes more of an effort in our family. Why aren't you wearing yours, Ron? George demanded. Come on, get it on. Get lovely and warm. I hate maroon. Ron moaned half-heartedly as he pulled it over his head. You haven't got a letter on yours, George observed. I suppose she thinks you don't forget your name. But we're not stupid. We know we're called Greg and Forge. Greg and Forge. What's all this noise? Percy Weasley stuck his head through the floor door, looking disapproving. He had clearly gotten halfway through unwrapping his presents, as he too carried a lumpy sweater over his arm, which Fred seized. Be for prefect! Get on, Percy! Come on, we're all wearing ours! Even Harry got one! I don't want... said Percy thickly as the twins forced his sweater over his head, knocking his glasses askew. And you're not sitting in the prefects today either, said George. Christmas is time for family. Harry had never in all his life had such a Christmas dinner. A hundred fat roast turkeys, mountains of to- roast and boiled potatoes, platters of chipolatas, turnings of buttered pear- peas, silver boats of thick rich, rich gravy and cranberry sauce, and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table. These fantastic party flavors Favors were nothing like the feeble muggle ones that Dursley usually bought, with their little plastic toys and their flimsy, flimsy paper hats inside. Harry pulled a wizard cracker with Fred, with Fred, and it didn't just bang. It went off with a blast like a cannon and galvanized all in a cloud of blue smoke. 
but from the inside exploded a rear admiral's hat and several live white mice. Up at the high table, Dumbledore had swapped his pointed wizard's hat for a flowered bonnet and was chuckling merrily at a joke Professor Fredwick had just read him. Flaming Christmas pudding followed the turkey. Percy nearly, nearly broke, broke his teeth on a silver sickle ember embedded in his slice. Ah, uh, no. Ember, embedded, embedded in his slice. Harry watched Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called out for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed, her to- hat topsided, lopsided. When Harry finally left the table, he, had, he was laden down with a stack of things out of his cracker. Out of the cracker, including a pack of non-explored luminous balloons, a grow-your-own watch kit, and his own new wizard chess set. The white mice had disappeared, and Harry had a nasty feeling they were going to end up at Mrs. Norris's Christmas dinner. Harry and the Weasley spent a happy afternoon, having a furious snowball fight on the grounds. Then, cold, wet, and gasping for breath, they returned to the fire in the Gryffindor common room, where Harry broke into his new chess set by losing spectacularly to Don. He suspected he wouldn't have lost so badly if Percy hadn't tried to help him so much.